0: a great season, there's also seems to be a a pervasive idea that uh, we can find ourselves without hope. And and a season that's supposed to be hopeful, when you feel like you're without hope, that makes the, the depth of the despair that you're in seem all the more deep, painful, dreadful. But Christmas also offers, I think, this wonderful chance for us to gain just a little bit of God's perspective on our lives as humans here on this earth. And this morning, I'm hoping to kind of give you just a touch, just a little picture of what that, what that perspective is, what God's perspective is on this. God's perspective. We we can see it all throughout scripture, all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. We can see it from the very beginning all the way to the very end, what what God's perspective was for the people before Christ came, what God's perspective is for us now, and what God's perspective is for us as the future still comes along. But like like Ruth and Jenny, we can find ourselves in the midst in the midst of the minute details of the story, struggling for some perspective. And maybe this morning, what we need to really experience peace isn't isn't uh, something big and grandiose. It's just a different way of looking things, looking at things. Second Peter chapter three is where we're going to spend some time, as well as Matthew chapter six. So, if you have your Bible, you can open up to those two passages. Second Peter chapter three, verse one through twelve. I'm going to read this for you. This this is uh, going to sound a little bit out of place, but remember. Advent is a, is a season of expecting not just Christ coming at Christmas time, but traditionally in church history, Advent is looking forward to Christ's return. Christ is coming back in the future, and that is now what we're longing for for those who are still here on the earth. So, so we're looking now at both at, that Christ came on Christmas and the fact that we're expecting him to come still. Dear friends, This is now my second letter to you. This is Peter speaking. He says, I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Notice he used the word thinking, not living. Often we're talking about living, but so many times our living is secondary to our thinking. We need to have the right thinking. Are you thinking right? I want to recall, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So he's setting, he's setting the stage. Recall the words spoken in the past by the prophets, those who spoke hundreds of years before Christ came, and remember the command that is given by Jesus Christ through the apostles. So he's covering a, a great big time span here. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. So he's going all the way back to the beginning. Then he's going to advance a little bit forward in the story. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed talking about the flood and Noah. He says, by the same word, the God who spoke the word to create the waters in the first place, by the same word of that God, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And now he's talking about that day that's still yet to come. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way... What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. See, we don't don't look at time the same way God does. God has an entirely different vantage point of what time looks like. In fact, God exists outside of time, and so, so he's looking on time from the outside. So he has a very unique perspective. And so this phrase, that, to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, you know, it's, it's because God exists outside of time. He exists in a realm where, where time does not affect his situation But God doesn't look in time, look at time the same way we do. And as we look forward to that day and in the time right now, we, we tend to look at things like how bad the world is getting. And we think, man, this world is this world is just getting getting really bad. Think, things are getting awful quickly. But yet here in this text, Peter draws us back to us, to our spiritual condition. See, Jesus is long-suffering, he is patient, was another way of saying that, toward us so that we have plenty of time to repent. Not only in the sense of, of our initial repentance and turning back to Christ as we turn away from our, our selfish, sinful ways, but, but in this, this long-term view of repentance where, in fact, our final, complete repentance will not be until that day. We've turned back towards Christ, but we won't be fully His in, in, the, in the sense like we will be then until then. Peter's trying to, I think, give us some perspective to help us be able to live our lives. So what is God's perspective? How can we gain just a little bit of insight into how God sees things? First, we need to understand that this world that we're living in, this, this, this world that we're walking on, and the air that we're breathing, and the bodies that we live in, and the life that we have, was all made by God. Second Peter chapter three verse five. But they deliberately forget those who are questioning whether Christ is coming again. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed. So God has created this whole world. He created everything. I know my sleeves are too short, so I should probably just roll them up so they're not distraction. It bothers me. All right. <laughs> That's better. I know, it's really stylish, setting new trends this morning. But he made it all, and not only did he make the earth and all of the physical aspects of this world, but he made the spiritual, he made the emotional, he made things that we don't really even understand yet. He has made it all. In fact, he created peace. So if we're going to understand peace, we need to understand the creator who created peace. Then that phrase, a thousand years like a day, and a day like a thousand years. This is God's perspective. We, we tend to view things in the here and now, in the one day, we're, we're living in the, in the moment by moment of, of here this this moment that we're in right now, and all we can really understand and see is today. And in fact, there are some strengths to thinking that way, and, and Jesus would, would teach in that respect. But, but God doesn't see things in the one day. He can see things in the one day, but he sees things in the thousand years. It's like we looked at that building. You know, he's, he's not looking from where you're walking on the street. He's looking from where you're standing on the tower a thousand feet above, a thousand years like a day. This is God's perspective. He doesn't just see the narrow, he sees all. God's perspective. God's perspective is also patience. God is patient with us, and he's patient with us for our benefit. And so when we have this longing and this and this these questions come up, where is this coming that he, that he promised? Why hasn't he returned yet? Where is Christ? Why are we still waiting? I mean, isn't the world bad enough that he should have come by now? Why are we still waiting? Well, the reason we're waiting is because God is very patient and he wants to wait he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance and while we might be ready, there are those who aren't ready. God is patient. His, his perspective is patience. His, his perspective is, is the long haul, the long journey. This perspective should really add some, some light to how we see things in other parts of Scripture. For instance, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, this is going into the Lord's Prayer. We've been over this a hundred times in our lives. Those who've been around the church, we're used to it. We, we can recite it, but, but have we had the right perspective on it? Jesus is teaching, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So don't pray for attention, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is what we talk about so often is that we have to go and spend time with the Father in the secret. Verse 7, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like, like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This idea is in other places in the Gospels. Your father knows what you need before you ask. Because God exists in a different reality, because he has a different perspective than we have, he, of course, knows what we need before we even understand that we need such things. And so God knows what we need before we ask. This is how God sees us. This is how God's world was meant to work. So when we have that understanding of our perspective, then this is how we should pray, that that we're praying to a father who knows what we need before we ask, so we pray to that father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember this phrase we've talked about from time to time, that, that our desire for, for us here on this earth should be that the way that we live our lives, that, that God's will is being done in our lives and through our lives the same way God's will is done in heaven. God's will is just done in heaven. There is no, no evil in heaven. God is the, the presence there that controls everything. And we want his will to be done on earth the same way his will is done in heaven, in our lives and through the lives we lead. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Give us today our daily bread. God knows what we need before we ask. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But when we have the right perspective, the right understanding that we're starting to gain God's perspective on our lives, I think it affects us in these five ways. We're going to walk through them really quickly. First, we walk humbly like our like our church motto here we do justice love mercy and walk humbly when when we pray and we spend time with God we do so humbly because we know that he knows what we need before we need it and he's going to provide for us as as we read in other other parts of the gospel so so we walk humbly with God we don't we don't pray and we don't do things for attention but we give the glory and the credit to our creator second we we're going to trust God's provision even though we're walking in the moment in the here and now and the few steps that we can see in front of us, they're, they're dark. They're, they're not certain like, like Ruth and Jenny in the story we, right in front of us. We don't know how we're going to get through today. Some of you may be there. We, we don't know where rent's going to come from. We don't, we don't know where the utility bill is going to get paid from. We don't know how things are going to take place and, and so it's, it's tempting for us to, to start to doubt and to worry and to fall back into our own selfish me first perspective but, but when we have God's perspective. We trust God's going to provide because our Father knows what we need before we ask. God is never surprised. We never catch God off guard. God always knows before we know. He, he knows the needs we have before we even know there's a need that we need something for. God is never surprised. Third, when we have the right perspective, we, our, our attitudes change from what I want to happen and what I want to take place in this life and in this world to, to what does God want to be done? This is, this is the perspective we need to have that, that we start living and, and what does God want to do through me? What does God want to have happen in the world and in the life that I'm, that I'm living right now? What is God's will? And, and, and I want to do that will, not only do I want to know what God's will is, but my desire is to do his will in the here and now so that his will is done on earth in the same way that it's done in heaven. So we walk humbly. We trust God's provision. We want what God wants to be done to be done now. Fourth, we live in victory. We live in victory. When we have God's perspective on this life and all of the struggles of this life, we understand that, that he has already won the victory for us. And so our role, our responsibility, the part that we're supposed to play is to receive his victory and, and live in victory. He's, he's not going to lead us into, t- into temptation. He's going to deliver us from evil. He's, he's at work to deliver us from the evil one. And when we find ourselves being drawn into temptation, he wants to lead us into victory. When we have the right perspective, we start to look at temptation in an entirely different way. We, we, we don't look at it as something that we don't get to have and, and that, if we, that if we just had this thing, it would be happy or, or God must not love me because he's not letting me have this thing that I, that I truly enjoy. We understand that, that God's perspective says, no, this is not what you want or what you need. This is not good for you. I am what's good for you. You need to walk away from the temptation and walk towards my victory that I wanna give you. This is the perspective that we should have. And the fifth one is to forgive. I know some people, some people very close to me that struggle with forgiveness. But the call of Christ is much greater than the harms that we have endured. And when we have God's perspective, we can forgive the way we have been forgiven. So when, when we're living in the step-by-step, the moment-by-moment step step, moment, today, one day at a time, thinking it's hard to have that perspective because all we see is how this awful thing that has been done to me has affected me and how it's changed me and how it's affected my life right now. But when, when we can zoom out and get to that thousand-year level where God is and, and how he sees things, he, he understands that, yes, this horrible thing has happened to you, but, but is that as bad as us rebelling against God? Yes, people have offended us, and God hates when, when, when awful things are done to his children, we are his most prized creation. He, he, he puts us above everything and all of the created order. We are at the very top of it all. We are his most prized creation. And of course, when something awful happens to one of his most prized, most valuable possessions, then, then he feels what we probably feel, but he also understands outside of that there, there's a great bigger thing that if we think that we should be forgiven, but we're not willing to forgive. We don't really understand our own sin. See, our, our repentance that, that we turn back towards the cross, the thing we're turning away from, is living as, as selfish me first, the king of the world, I am my own God kind of a thinking. And, and this is the way that we lived apart from Christ. And so, so we were saying, you know what, I'm better than you. I know better than you. I am God. Don't tell me what to do with my life. I will decide what I'm going to do with my life. And, and so we live in this way and we stand in rebellion against God. And that is what we, we turn away from when we turn to Christ. This is why humility is such a big deal because we walk humbly under the love and care and generosity of our God and our King. And when we understand how much we've been forgiven, how much we have received from God and his forgiveness, the offenses against us, great though they may be, are not as great as our own offense to God, standing, shaking our fists at him, saying, I'm better than you. We see, God forgave me he forgave us of that. So what is it for me to forgive you and to forgive you of those things? Jesus said, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I think what that verse is saying, if you don't understand forgiveness, then, then you're not going to be truly forgiven. By the way, side note, I've had this question a couple of times, and I want to just make it clear. When we're talking about forgiveness, we're not talking about trust. We forgive people. Forgiveness is simply canceling the debt that that someone owes you, the the debt that you feel someone owes you for the harm that they have caused you, and it's just taking out that big stamp, and, and you write out the debt, you know, and put it on a bill, and you just take that stamp and you stamp it paid in full. But that doesn't mean, okay, we're going to go back to, uh, to exactly the way things are because there's still some work that probably needs to be done. But when we have the right perspective, we forgive. We live in victory. We want God's will. We walk humbly. We trust God's person. Just a moment, we're going to come back. We're going to finish up the story. But, but I want to note something about Christmas to help us understand. Christmas... God went from speaking to us in the third person to speaking to us in the first person. When Christ came, he he came and walked among us and and he spoke to us like we talked about in that first week with the man and the birds that he had to come and speak our language and walk among us to, to teach us the ways that he wanted us to know. In the Old Testament, it was God speaking through prophets and and God would speak and he would share things with with chosen people and then they would speak for God to the people. But when Jesus came, he spoke to us in first person, Matthew chapter 5, 21, says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So, So Jesus is saying, you've heard what it was said before, but I tell you. You've heard it from the third person, but now you're hearing it in the first person. This is, this is me telling you now that I'm walking with you. And why this is so amazing is because God, God walked out. of he, he left his kingly throne and his kingly crown, and, and he left heaven, and he came down and became a baby, and he was born as a child, as a human, like you and I, and he walked in the day today, the one day at a time but of course he had this eternal perspective that's hard for us to understand this is why Christmas is so amazing, God himself became a man and walked with us, God with us Emmanuel so what so what with all of this, perspective, okay perspective Cool. Perspective. Nice story. (laughs) Like I said at the beginning, a lot of the time we struggle with peace is because we don't have the right perspective. And we need to understand that because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, we can truly be at peace. We can have peace. The first peace that we need is is we need peace with God. God. The only way to have peace with God is to surrender our lives to him and, and let him take control. It's to, to give up ourselves as, as kings and sitting on the throne of our own lives and, and put him on the throne. We have to be at peace with God if we're going to ever experience true, lasting peace. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, then, then you don't really know what peace is. You don't have the hope of peace that we have. But the promise of peace was fulfilled in Christ Jesus, so now we can receive this gift of peace. But there's more to it than that. Peace is such a bigger idea. It's a bigger concept than, than we define peace. Peace is not just the idea of peace between countries who have been at war. It is used that way throughout Scripture, but peace is so much bigger, so much broader than that in, in the Scriptures. When, when you look at the idea of peace, it's talking about the idea of wholeness and completeness, and, and it's, it's specifically talking about stones and walls. That's how it is used. It's talking about how a stone that is square is complete, and how when walls have been put together, They've been put together in a peaceful way. They've They've been put together completely, and this is what God gives us in the gift of peace, the completeness, the completeness. The only way we understand God's peace is to understand the whole story that he has for us. Because God sits outside of where we sit, and He looks down in the world that we see right now, and He sees this is how this is going to affect that, and this is how this is going to affect that, and this is where they are right now, and this is the struggle and the trial and the journey that they're on, but this is going to take them here, and this is where I really want them, and they might have to go to that to get to this, and they're going to have to go to this to get to that, and to that to get to this to that to get to this, and at the end, we get to God, and we get true, eternal, everlasting peace. See, we need to have God's perspective if we're going to have peace, because God knows, before we ask it, what we need. He knows what we need there, and what we need here to get us there. This is God's peace. God knows what we need. He's not gonna let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. God knows our yesterday, our today, and our tomorrow. God knows where we're headed, and he knows where we're already been, and wouldn't it change everything if you knew if you knew the storyteller? One of my favorite lines from Muppet Christmas Carol is when Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat are talking, and I know it's just changed directions really quickly, but it's all gonna come back to, to and, 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 and Gonzo, he's playing the, the role of Charles Dickens, and he's the storyteller, and he says, I'm the storyteller. I know everything. I'm omniscient, and when you're the storyteller, you know everything that's gonna happen in the story because you're the storyteller. How would it change your world if you knew personally the storyteller of your life and how he wanted your story to go and how he was writing things and how things were going to unfold? If you knew that you were walking at peace with the storyteller, wouldn't it change everything?